Have you ever thought about what, it, what you'd like to be remembered for? And after you die, your family's talking or your former friends and acquaintances were talking and what they would remember you for. Wouldn't it be something if when people were talking, somebody would say, well, I'll tell you one thing. That person walked with God. I think he really walked with God. I think she really walked with God. Is that what we're after? Is that what we would really down deep like to think that somehow in my life it reflected a closer walk with God? Somebody who has bought into this worldview, this biblical philosophy, this truth, the idea that a charge to keep I have, a God to glorify, a never dying soul to save and fit it for the sky. Would I understand that it should take all of my strength that I have to serve the present age and my calling to fulfill? That all my powers would engage to do my Master's will. That's what we're put on this earth for, is to go to God someday. He created us in His image. He gave us the breath of life. We are an individual spirit, soul, a reflection of God's love and mercy, and He owns us, and yet the usurper has come around and and broken up everything he can destroy. And yet we belong to God from the get-go, and He wants us back. So our challenge then is to keep this charge and to come to God We read a moment ago a short verse, short passage in Genesis 5 about Enoch. And Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. He lived that long and he had other sons and daughters. And so all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. And as mysterious as that may be, whatever God was doing and however he did it and whatever anybody else might have seen or thought they saw when it happened... We know two basic things that are important to us, and that is that Enoch walked with God, and then he went to be with God. Could that summarize our whole life? Isn't that the way to make the gravy and biscuits come out even, is to get it together so that when our dying breath comes and we drop this dying flesh, we have fed our souls to fly to God? Well, how can I know? If I want to walk with God, is there any way I can know that I'm walking with God? Or if I am walking with God, if I believe that and I'm trying to do that, is there a way to figure out if I can walk closer to God? Can I do better at this? Can I get it right for sure? Or is there any way to tell? And I think the most obvious thing would come first if I want to walk with God. It almost goes without saying. But if I want to walk with God, first of all, I must come to Him and agree to do it. I must want that and then go seek that. I must receive Him as my Savior and obey Him and agree to walk with Him. Come to Jesus. In John chapter 6, as Jesus was beginning His public ministry in some of the earliest days, He called people out on this very issue. He challenged them on the idea of, do you really believe? And if you believe, will you stay with me? And so in John chapter 6, He's teaching a great lesson there. And He says, I'm the bread of life. And you could eat from this bread and you'd never be hungry again. And some people could not wrap their brains around that. Have you you seen the commercial about the the extra most bestest pizza? And they've added more cheese, three feet of cheese and the crust around it. And this guy goes crazy because when they explain to him as a customer, he says, you took the extra most bestest and added more cheese? And then he's at the clinic and he's going over it as he's lost his mind. And the caption says later, says he couldn't wrap his brain around the idea. They took the extra most bestest and added some more cheese to it. And so these disciples were listening to Jesus and he said, I'm the bread of life. And he's talking about spiritual things. And so they're not able to wrap their brain around it. Some of them are not. And so he says in verse 64 of John 6, but there are some of you who do not believe. A lot of people did, but some didn't. 
And so as a result, verse 66, many of His disciples withdrew and were not walking with Him anymore. Jesus said, therefore, to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered Him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that You are the Holy One of God. So this is the beginning point. If I'm concerned about walking with God and seeing Him as He is someday and, and being saved, live with Him eternally, I must come to Him in belief and in faith. This is the thing that Jesus delineated all through His public teaching and His ministry. He would say, I want to see if you've got faith. I want to see if you believe me, take me at my word. I want to see what you're really made of. Do you mean business? Will you stay with me when the going is rough, when the sayings are tough? Will you stick with me? So I come to Jesus if I believe in Him and want to believe, want to, want to walk with Him, I come to Him. But also there's another reason, or many reasons, but another big one is, if I am burdened, if I have burdens and I have a load of care, that's when I come to Jesus. I'm reminding you today, reminding us all today of the former things and the things that we need to not let slip. And I tell you, any one of us, any problem we face in life, this is starting point number one, the first place to go, is to go to Jesus if we are burdened with care. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to Me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Well, that leaves me out because I don't have any burdens. I don't have any questions. I don't have any problems. I don't have any fears. I don't have any frustrations. So, you're not talking to Me. Okay, then, you're out. Just the ones who are heavy laden. Just the ones who are burdened with care. Come to Me, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. Now it gets down to the very heart of the issue. The very essence of who we are. That when I am looking for something that I cannot find in the far country of sin or in the pig pen or anywhere else, when, I, when the world's philosophies fail me, when the treasures of earth is so bright and shining or meaningless now, and I want something that will feed my soul, I can't find it in things that are put into barns. I can't find it in the philosophies of men, the outlines, the books. I go to the heart of the Savior. He knows just what I need. He was tempted in all points, like as I am, yet without sin. Somehow in the principles of life, Jesus faced it all, and He shows us the way. So when we come to Jesus, we find rest for our souls, for His yoke is easy and His burden is light. A second thing, if I want to walk with God, I must talk to God through Jesus. If I want to walk with Him, I need to communicate. I need to figure out what He has to say for me. You'd be surprised how much more... Let me start over. That's not. You wouldn't be surprised because some of you are doing this. Some of you have spent a lifetime doing this. So agree with me then for the ones who are trying to learn this. How much does it make a difference? When you start every day with opening the Word of God and looking in there, some short passage, some verse... Something that is coming from the very mind of God breathed to us through the Spirit, the living Word, and then talk to God about that and ask Him for wisdom. Ask Him for help. Ask Him for guidance. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's an old car problem, if it's a tax problem, if it's a death problem, a sin problem, whatever it is, we talk to Jesus, we talk to God, we learn of Him. In Mark chapter 9, there was a boy that was possessed with a demon and it, it, it expressed itself, manifested itself in the form of epilepsy in that particular day and time. And so the father asked the disciples of Jesus, cast out this demon, help my boy, heal him. And they couldn't do it. 
And so then the man went to Jesus and said, I've asked your disciples to, to, to cast him out, and they couldn't do it. You do it. So Jesus cast out the demon. The demon didn't give up very easy, but he cast him out. And then the disciples took Jesus aside a little bit later and said, why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus said, well, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. So the prayer would help get the demon out, and the fasting would help them in their prayer life focus on their prayers. In James chapter 3, we understand that the wisdom that is in the earth is sensual and demonic. It leads to all kinds of problems, interpersonal problems, relationship problems, church problems, all kinds of things, because it's from the earth. But the wisdom that is from above is first peaceable and then pure. And, and all these things that come from God are what help us. And so the, the best way to know that we're starting to walk closer to God is to continually pray to Him and ask Him for wisdom. And He doesn't upbraid us. He doesn't refuse. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask God. And God gives to all liberally. And so if I'm trying to figure this out, the first place to ask my first question is, God, what do you want? What do you say? And let Him talk. Let it, and then... And then be willing to listen in the third place. Because He knows just what we need. You know, we sit in an assembly like this and we hear the truth proclaimed. We study it in Bible class. We read it. And we're all in agreement. We say, yeah, man, He's got that right. Or yes, sir, amen. We've got this. We've been over this. This is religion 101. So it all just sort of comes together. And that's a great thing. But then sometimes you sort of get a lesson with your name on it. Somehow it just connects. Peter was a man like that. And he was with the others. And he was hearing and seeing the same thing. But... Sometimes he would get a lesson with his name on it. And he would take it away and, and he actually knew this means me. And so we find in Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the Word of God, so here he's teaching a Bible lesson here on the lake of Gennesaret. So he's standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. Now notice what's happening here. Jesus is teaching the multitudes. They're listening. He's preaching the Word of God. He is God, but He's preaching to them the Word of God, and they're all listening. Now, after they've, he finished teaching them and the Bible lesson is over, as it were, the church is dismissed, as it were, then he says, Simon, uh, let's, let's go out a little ways and, and you put down your nets for a great catch. And Simon says, well, Lord, <laughs> let me explain. Now, we've been... Look, you stay in the carpenter shop. Let us do the fishing. I mean, here's this carpenter, 30-something years old. We're listening to a 30-year-old man, by the way. He says, we've been fishing all night. We're in the business of fishing. We've got partners. We've been doing this for years. We've been fishing all night because nighttime is the time to fish. We put down our nets and there was nothing there. There's no fish to be caught. You do it in the shallows and you do it at night. We know how to fish. So now notice what's happening here. What Jesus says, the Word from heaven, the Word from God, is diametrically opposed. It is right the opposite of Peter's knowledge, of Peter's experience, of his expertise, of his expectations. It is right the opposite of his intuition, of his reality. 
what Peter knows and what he has experienced and what he has seen and what he has lived through. And now Jesus says, I'll tell you how to do it. You do it my way. And, get a, and he even tells him what the outcome is going to be. You put down your nets for a great catch. We're going to do this. And at first Peter is like, well, we've done, we know how to do this. But notice the key here, one of the great turning points. These are pivotal in the Scriptures. Nevertheless, that be the case, notwithstanding, we know how to do it, and we've done it, we've got the experience, we know what we're doing, but you said to do it, so I'm going to go do it. And so they go out there, and we continue the reading there. Simon says, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink down into the water. But Simon Peter saw that. When he saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet. And he said, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. I'm standing in the presence of God. And I don't feel like I measure up. In fact, I even doubted that this would work. So I can't stand to be here. Depart from me. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so, all, so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear, for from now on you'll be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So now if we think about that, if it does apply to us, do we think that it does apply to us? And so here we are, concerned with issues like church growth or family issues or relationship issues or whatever it is. Are we at the point in our faith walk with God that we could say, now listen, Lord, what you're telling me in working out this marriage or working out this addiction problem or whatever it is, what you're telling me is diametrically opposed to what I know and what conventional wisdom says and what they say and what the Internet says. It, it, it just doesn't fit. However, if you say do this, then I will do it. And so when we're wondering about how to grow the church or how to save souls or how to make an influence and be the light in the world, is there a clue in the Scriptures? Has Jesus addressed the issue? Does He tell us what the heart problems are and what the core issues are of how to be effective and how to work and what the manual says about being effective and being light and salt and so forth in the world? And so... This applies across the Scripture board, that if I'm going to try to do the Father's will, the first place to look is in His will, in His book, in His message, in His living Word, and imbibe that and let it live in me. And then as a congregation, we're not strong as a congregation any more than we are strong as strong individuals. Just like on a, a ball team or a SWAT team or a, a SEAL team, you want your buddies to be trained as highly as you are and that they're as strong in their legs as you are and they can carry you off the battlefield and save your life if they have to and they won't leave you or forsake you and that every person on the team can be tapped and say, do this, and they jump in there and they do it. Rather than having several that don't even want to be there and several that don't want to step up and several that can't and, and all that, but rather they're all sharp and ready and strong together, striving together for the faith of the gospel in our case. And so life every day revolves around listening to Christ, letting Him speak to us in His Word, letting His Spirit live in us. And sometimes we may be surprised, and maybe you felt this, I felt it, as it sneaks up. It's so sneaky. To be like Samson. Of course, he was showing out and acting up, but 
somehow we think, well, I'll, I'll, I'll jump up and I'll shake myself and I'll get rid of these Philistines, not realizing that after his head was shorn that uh, his strength had left him, the Spirit of God had left him. So here we go. We think we got it figured out. And we can go all week without looking at the Bible or without praying, without getting on our knees to God, without going out in the, in the night sky and raising our hands to God and say, Oh, God, I know as you promised Abraham. Without getting on our knees and saying, Oh, God, I, I can't face today unless you help me figure this out. Without sometimes going out in the yard and getting on your face and doing the mumbly peg, biting the dirt. And say, God, if you don't show me the way, I can't do this. I think I'm through. Putting our trust in God and saying, listen to what God says. He's got a way to do this. In Ephesians 3, if Paul were here, he would say this, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever. In the Scriptures, we have example after example, episode, story after story, parable after parable of the people who succeeded, who did the Father's will, who overcame because they listened to the Word of God and did it like He said to do it. Another thing, in the fourth place, if I want to walk with God, I have to walk where He walks. In the light, as Jesus would say, or as John says in 1 John 1 and verse 7, if we walk in the light as He, Jesus, is in the light, then we have fellowship one with the other, and the blood of Christ continues to cleanse us from all sin. So as we look at the Old Testament concepts of this, there's a lot said about walking. And, and to Moses, God said, I want you to not turn to the left or to the right from following after these ordinances of the Lord. Stay on the straight and narrow, as we say, or as the New Testament says. In Proverbs 3, in the, in the advice the Father gives His Son, the wisdom of, of the ages, he says in verse, uh, this is chapter 3, verse 1, beginning, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace. Good grief. Is that what I'm after? Am I after length of days, years of life, and peace? And so he says, listen to my teachings. And he's getting his teachings from heaven, from the, will, from the wisdom of God. Don't let, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you'll find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. And trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. That's where the problem is. We can't figure it out. And that's, what it, we, that's the reason. Because we can't figure it out. It's not in man that walketh to direct his steps. It's, it's from the mind of God. So in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and it will be refreshment to your bones. Why? I would like to have all that, wouldn't you? Healing to the bones, refreshment to your body, length of days, peace, all these good things that comes from listening to God and walking with God. And again, in, in Proverbs 4, a section here, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of the evil men. Avoid it and do not pass by it. Don't click on it. For they cannot sleep unless they do evil. And they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. When the sun comes up, it just gets brighter and brighter as the day goes on. That shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. 
Watch the path of your feet. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. So God walks in the light. and He walks in truth. He walks in justice. And He walks in the midst of His people. He walks in the midst of His people, His church. And if that is the case, am I closer to God when I walk with His people and associate with His people and have fellowship with His people and worship with His people? Or am I closer when I'm away from His people and separated and away and out and about and doing something else? And finally, if I want to walk close to God, I will find that when I do, I have hope for the future. That's what the whole thing is about. Paul makes a big case for this in 1 Corinthians 15 about the idea of the human soul, the human spirit living forever with God and not rotting in the grave and perishing and never, never existing again. What you believe about the future determines how you live today. And so Paul makes a, a big point on that as he explains this idea of the resurrection from the dead. And see, that's, that's the whole thing here. If there's no resurrection, then... We've just messed up today. Totally ridiculous, this whole thing. And that's what Paul develops here in 1 Corinthians 15. Let me just read a section of it. He says, And evidently some have been saying, There's no resurrection from the dead. Once you die, it's all over, so don't worry about it. And Paul says, Yeah, there's something to think about here. So he says, Now if Christ is preached that He has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain, your faith also is vain. Moreover, we're even found to be false witnesses of God, because we testified against God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only... We are of all men most to be pitied. Otherwise, and he talks about a strange practice here, and we don't know much about this, but evidently it was some heathen practice or some something. It wasn't from God, but some people were doing it. And he says, otherwise, what would those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, then why be baptized for them? But then he, he just brings that up as a point, like even people who don't have the truth are figuring out something's going on around here. And then he says, and why are we also in danger every hour? Paul is saying... Why would I go through what I've gone through? I go into Lystra and they beat me to death and leave me for dead and, and they put me in jail. They do all these things. Why do I put myself through this? Why do I go into all this danger all the time if there's not even a resurrection? There's no reason to do any of it. And he says, I affirm, brethren, by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If from human motives, if from human motives I have fought with wild beasts at Ephesus, what does it profit me? Why on earth would I be thrown into the arena if he ever was, subject to lions? Why would I be put into these holes in the ground of a prison? Why would I be smitten and beaten and shipwrecked and bitten by snakes and all? Why would I do that? Would I do it on purpose? Would I do it to be seen of men? Would I do it for reputation? No, it's this resurrection thing. He says, do not be deceived. Well, he says, uh, I skipped a verse. If from human motives I have fought wild beasts at Ephesus, what does it profit me? If the dead are not raised, then hey... Pull out all the stops. Let's eat and drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Then he says, no, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Didn't we have a um, secretary of state or some high-ranking person like that warn nations around the world just recently to be careful the company you keep? 
See, this applies not just with teenagers and the friends they keep or young children. It applies to old folks and young folks, everybody in between. It applies to organizations, companies, nations. It's the idea of the principle of influence. So he says, become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. People around have no knowledge of God. That's a shame. And if you think there's no resurrection, I speak that to your shame. You need to sober up and think about this. And so as he develops all this throughout the chapter, he proves there in this resurrection idea of the resurrection of Christ that when he was raised from the dead, it proves that truth is stronger than lies. Lies brought about the problems in the world from Eden all the way through to the lies about Jesus that got him crucified. The resurrection proved that, that uh, good is stronger than evil. It proved that love is stronger than hate. And it proved that life is stronger than death. And so now, back to our problems. We've got people and things around us that are, that are evil and that are bad. But good is stronger than that. We've got people around us that lie and cheat and steal and hate us and hate each other and do bad and awful things. Love is stronger than hate. And we've got death and taxes. We've got death all around us. Boy, is it powerful. It gets our attention. We can't stop it. It's just, boy, it's just there. But the resurrection of Jesus proves that life is stronger than death. And then we will see our loved ones again. We will all be raised in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. We'll be changed if we don't die first. We'll be changed and put on immortality. So Paul says, that's the reason we hang on. So if I want to walk close to God, I come to Jesus and I agree to walk with Him. I listen to Him. I talk to Him. I walk where He walks. And then I have hope for the future. And it all boils down to what I expect to see as a result of what I'm doing and my obedience to the Lord. Sometimes it helps us to remember. In Lamentations 3, we read, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Sometimes it just does our soul good for those precious memories sent from somewhere to my soul to go back and just relive our lives and go step by step from grade school on and all the good things that have happened to us, all the lessons of life. That's a memory of the past. And so as the writer of Lamentations, Jeremiah, is remembering, he says, this I recall, when I think about the past, I have hope because the Lord's loving kindness has indeed never ceased. So right now I look around me, the Lord's loving kindness has never ceased and His compassions never fail and they're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in Him. So thinking about the past and looking around us today and thinking about what's coming someday, some reward that's reserved in heaven for us, eternal, it doesn't fade away. Jesus one time said, you know, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And the disciples were like, well, who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? And Jesus said, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. And then he says, Peter said, Behold, we have left our own homes and followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is one who is, there's no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much at this time, many times as much in this time and in the life to come, in the age to come, eternal life. Oh, for a closer walk with God, a calm and heavenly frame, a light that leads me to the Lamb. 
Do you want to walk closer to God? Is there anything in your life you need to remove? The dearest idol I have known, whate'er that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. I call upon all of us to remember these basics and to think about where is the source of my help and my strength? Where is the source of my answer, my solution, my wisdom? Is it with God? Oh God, take me as I am. If you need to come to the Lord today and receive His blessing, receive Him as your Lord and obey Him as your Lord and put Him on in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins, things are ready for that today and you can begin your Christian walk with God. As a Christian, if you've been failing and slipping and cooling off, growing cold and loveless and careless, you can change that and be restored to the joy of your salvation and start walking closer to God once again. And when you feel far away from God, distant from God, who was it that moved? It wasn't Him. Was it? He keeps all of His precious promises. Now, if you need to ask for prayers on your behalf for forgiveness or restoration, or if you want to obey the gospel this morning, I invite you to come while we stand together and sing this good song if you'll come.